When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod Save the King! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the King. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and I'm hoping that you have had an excellent summer and are ready to dive right back into royal life, um, reminiscing and looking ahead as well. And I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend and Pod Save the King, oh, I don't know, partner. Pod Save the King husband, Russell Myers, Daily Mirror <laughs> Royal <laughs> Editor. Have you had a lovely summer, Russell? I will take that introduction, my uh, my work wife, and uh, I've had a lovely summer. And this isn't the first time we're seeing each other because we actually managed to see each other in real life last night. I know, at the pub. And we've got a photo to prove it as well. Yeah, I look thoroughly de- thoroughly delighted by life. I'm not sure whether it's your company or the large glass of white wine in my hands, <laughs> but it was... It was a good do. I mean, it's, I think it's traditional to do the party after the recording usually, but we've done it back to front and hopefully all will be well. Um, lovely Dan Jackson, our producer, is still on holiday. So we hope he's having a restful time and we will try not to break anything in the meantime. And thank you to our other colleagues who are stepping in to look after our, um, our wonderful words that we'll hopefully do blooper free and it will be lovely and simple. But um Lots to talk about. I mean, we're a year on from the death of the Queen, so we're going to think and look back to that and see how things have been since then. Catch up a little bit on what's been going on over the summer and some of the summer highlights. Not a blow by blow because it's been far too long and too much has too much has happened. But there's a few interesting things to catch up on, um, and also lots to look ahead to as you know it's September. I mean, I'm I'm in my forties now, but it still feels like the start of the new school year. When every, you know, everyone comes back from their summer holidays, people are going back to school and it feels like you get this sort of reinvigoration and, and restart and reset. And, you know, I think probably it is doubly that for the royal family this year. Well, it's weird because you're kind of looking ahead and here we go again. But also you've got this pause because so we're recording on Thursday. It's the eve of the anniversary of the death of the queen and um, I was on maternity leave at that stage so you know I, I, I experienced it as a civilian I guess um, and Russell was obviously in the in the thick of things so I, we've never really properly I don't know certainly not on the show talked about it what what do you remember from that day and that time that sort of 10 days because it, it was his it was yeah longer it was really it was something we always knew was going to come and then actually when it did come it was really quite sudden and quite quick. It, you know, it was sort of quite extended over the course of one day in some ways. But, you know, we'd seen pictures of the Queen working, welcoming the new Prime Minister just a couple of days before. And then just the sort of, you know, the, the um, grave voices on the on the telly talking about, um, you know, sort of health updates. And then it did always feel a bit like a, a waiting game, I guess. And fortunately... Fortunately, you know, for Her Majesty, as much as anything, it was not a it was not a long um, and lingering unwellness. I mean, I think she'd probably be un- unwell for a long time that we'd not fully a- appreciated, and she'd been getting on with things as she has always had done for such a long time. But um, yeah, what was that day like 
for you? What do you remember from it? Well, I think just that you talk about the photograph with Liz Truss that we'd saw, and I think a lot of people saw from that image that despite smiling, the Queen looked very, very frail, I think. She looked very old. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. She was 96 years old, and she'd still been getting on with engagements right up right up until the very end. I mean, not including the, uh, the Liz Truss meeting. But but certainly the, the day, I mean, there were certain rumours I'd been hearing over the course of the morning. Um, there was lots of phone calls going around, people texting me and you know other colleagues. And we were all trying to work out what had happened, whether there was rumours that the Queen had been taken ill, whether she'd had a fall, she hadn't been seen in the morning. And of course, then we we knew when Buckingham Palace were... Um, there was certainly some activity, shall we say, that things seemed very, very serious. And I remember one uh, contact of mine, very, very in the know, saying about how they were very, very, they were gravely concerned, pretty much. And I knew that in that instance, that if they were gravely concerned, then certainly I should be as well. So, I mean, in these instances, we you talk about the preparation that had been on, ongoing for years, really. I mean, I'd been doing this job five years, four years, I suppose, at the time. And and that had been one of the, the main veins of the job was making sure that we had all the preparation done. But um, in terms of the Bridges plan, the fact that the Queen died in Scotland um, meant that a lot of it was sort of out the window because in the sense that she died in Scotland, where was her, her coffin going to be taken to? Where would it lie and rest? The whole um, transport of not only her body to back to Edinburgh, lying in rest in um, in the cathedral, being taken by the gamekeepers, which all these little touches that nobody knew about what would what would be happening in St Giles Cathedral uh, when she was being taken there, but. I thought it almost it almost was sort of a fairy tale ending because if she had died in London or Windsor, we wouldn't have had this whole drama of you know, Princess Anne travelling in the car with her, the being flown back to London, the 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 cortege being driven through the streets of West London into Buckingham Palace. We you know those days afterwards, and certainly the the prince's um, the the prince's tribute when the children were standing by the coffin both at St Giles Cathedral and in uh, in Westminster Hall I thought was absolutely remarkable and it's difficult to imagine now almost because it seems so fitting that sort of the Scottish period and the long travel like if it hadn't been that way like that, that gave I think that gave everybody real sort of time to come to terms with it and space and um for the I guess for the family they did have those opportunities to to spend time with their mother as she lay at rest and and people were paying their tributes and it's you know it was a very it was a very special it was a very special thing and the sort of and, and the connection with Scotland it did feel really fitting and you talk about the fairy tale the fairy tale of it all I've seen Chris Jackson sharing a picture that he took on at Windsor Castle of you know the rainbow that came out that night and it's just like you know I don't know it gives you a bit of a, a shiver that something that was so you know her her reign was such a major part of our lives and of the 20th and into the 21st century 
that you know it did it felt like it had a a fitting a fitting ending I mean I was you know for the for a host of a royal podcast to miss out on 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 that thing I experienced in a totally different way I was in I was doing my daughter's bath time and came out and sort mm. of heard the radio and the, the moment had passed because you know it's been waiting waiting something gonna happen something gonna happen it's like well my baby needs to go to bed she's not gonna wait and see and see what happens and it's just you know that's kind of normal you know normal people not journalist people how you how you're getting on with life and that's happening but you're still sort of taken by it and I did um I really wanted to go into London like I'd hardly been into London at all I think during my year my year off and I said to my husband he'd been working all week and been there in um in Westminster when the king went to address um address parliament um you know the can we go into London, please? I want to go. I just want to be there. I want to feel yeah, it. And queued yeah. up, went to see outside Buckingham Palace and saw, you know, the Paddington Bears and the flowers in Green Park. And I was thinking about it today after I'd seen, um, checking back and seeing Sarah Ferguson having shared that picture of Diana. What a different atmosphere it was because it was a mood of sort of celebration in some ways. It was people were happy and paying their respects. It was sunny people were all there to appreciate someone but there what it wasn't traumatic i think i i think that the the whole part of the day was almost that we we prepared for it but there was obviously the franticness of getting into london getting into the news from seeing what what would develop the fact that there were lots of rumors being passed around you talk about your husband working ben working in 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 the lobby the the message being passed to the prime minister what was actually happening at that moment um certain rumors that certain statements were going to be made i mean it was pretty frantic but almost pretty calm in the same sense as well because we're almost preparing for two scenarios the fact that i mean it sounds pretty macabre but the fact that we didn't know that the queen had died i mean was pretty good um indications from such from certain people but there still hadn't been no official announcement. And I think that after that statement came out, first of all, I think it was about 12.30 from the palace saying that uh, the, the Queen's doctor was, I think the language was gravely concerned um, for her health. I think we pretty much knew that the Queen was obviously very, very ill, dying in a sense. Um, and whether this would be a protracted over hours or days, it might not come in that same day. So we had to prepare for both, for both scenarios, whether she was still dying or whether she had sadly passed. But when the when the moment came, I, I suppose um, you know, the Royal Correspondent's getting a heads up a few minutes before the official announcement. Um, we were we were we were pretty on point and I was very very proud of how it was delivered I thought some of the coverage over the coming those coming days was absolutely first class not only from ourselves but across the sort of media landscape and really you know, there's you're very privileged position in this job sometimes of seeing realizing you you have a front row seat at history and not only just witnessing it but actually working it and having that sort of information and then being being Giving the responsibility to impart it to millions and millions of people is um is something I I certainly won't ever forget. You talked about um you know the years of preparation. So at the we were at a, a drinks do, leaving do last night, big leaving do, and um 
I was speaking to one of the senior production journalists on one of our Sunday titles, and she said she'd been carrying the Queen's obituary around with her for 18 years. Yeah, yeah gosh, yeah. And um, she said, of course they changed it. <laughs> so it's like, I'm yeah, like, of course, yeah, yeah. It. it always gets changed on the day. But, um, you know, she, the, the, it was, you know, it was clearly a, a momentous bit of her career that she'd sort of worked on on that on that historic day and obviously you know that you sort of had the long run up then once we'd said our goodbyes to the queen you had the long run up to the coronation and then after the coronation there's sort of a short bit of time for the king and queen to be fully you know the royal family starting out in this new life again and then it was a summer holiday so here we are we've got now reset how how do you feel things have gone in the first year, Russell? Where are we now a year on and where are we where are we going to? Well, all big questions, and I don't think that even the royal family have answers for them. I mean, I, I had this conversation with was one of the senior palace officials last week, and I was saying I thought things had been a bit slow. I didn't think the the king and queen, I mean they've been house and about, but they've they've not really, you know, we haven't had a big a big tour yet. We had the, the the stuttering start, I suppose, to just before the coronation of the French uh, state visit being cancelled because of the protests there. Then it was sort of a, a squashed down into just the Germany visit, which was which was a, a resounding success. But it just feels a little flat for me. I think that the the Prince and Princess of Wales haven't really got started. I think that they have suffered possibly because of the. Um, the fact that the king and queen haven't necessarily decided or where they were going to go. They, they they wanted the first year to be a very transitional year. This language, this transition, transitional year was was constantly being used over the last few months. And I thought, right, he's 74 years old, approaches so he's gonna be 75 in a few weeks. He's gonna to want to hit the ground running, he's gonna to want to crack on. Certainly the first year is going to be really, really big, get out to the Commonwealth, get out to the realms. Um, and we haven't seen it. Um, I mean, we've got a, the French state visit coming up in a few days' time. Then we're going to go to Kenya in uh, in October. But again, where, why haven't they gone to Australia? Why haven't they gone to Canada? I'm told they're going to go to Canada in the springtime next year. But I would have thought the first year would have been jam-packed. And it does seem to that... Charles certainly has been more willing to get out to, to around the country and still maintain links with the communities in the UK, which is certainly laudable. Um, but I think certainly you know, more questions will be asked around the Commonwealth realms um, why they haven't haven't have a visit in the first year. Um, but you know, I, I don't have the answers for that. I think that they are still trying to get to grips with how the palaces run and how um, certainly what, what they see as the next five years. And listen, maybe, maybe in the next 12 months, it'll be a lot busier than, the, than the, the last year has been. I think I did see a stat recently, though, that Charles had worked more days in his first year than the Queen worked in her first year. Like well, I'm, that, no, I'm not surprised, to be honest, but I'm sure that the, the Queen was getting to grips with a lot of things. I mean, she was 25 years old when she took the throne. Charles is more children. than... Yeah, and more, but he's more than prepared for for taking this job. I, I saw something in one of the Sunday papers. Really, was about um, Charles has really struggled to get to grips with. He's been shocked by how much work there was. I mean, surely he spoke to his mum. 
about what the job entailed. I mean, you've been preparing for this job for 50 years. And certainly you, you talk about the fact that you've been taking on more responsibility over the last few years. He must have known. I mean, it can't have been that much of a shock to him. And yet I, it's not necessarily a stuttering start because I do think he's been welcomed. You look at the polling. Again, I was speaking to one of the palace officials yesterday talking about a piece I'd written today about the wins and losses. And they they thought it was a fair assessment. I said that the wins were pretty much um, the fact... Let me just put, pull this up. What did I say the wins were? Uh, the, the fact that he's, he's still popular. Um, you know, this, this sort of um, fact that he is maintaining popularity within the polls. And you look at the... There's been continuity of the favourability aspect of the him and the monarchy, as there was with the Queen. It's knocking about, you know, depending on what poll you see, but 60, between 60 and 70 percent, which is in line with the Queen. And I think that they would, they are, well, they definitely do see that as a major, major win. Um, the continuity aspect has much changed. I don't think it has at all. Um, he's certainly not been this radical king that people thought he would be. Perhaps the slimmed down monarchy version that has come to fruition has stood him in good stead. What but is... with, by saying that, you, they've got a big problem because seven out of the 11 working royals are over the age of 70. And you're well, going to have people retiring yeah. very soon. Are and they so too I, slimmed I, I, down? So there's just not enough I think it is. Yeah, definitely. Or there's almost too much for them to do so they don't know where to start. And, and I, I was, you know, I think, are we being a bit unfair that they're not doing enough um, and we've just been used to it being really sort of high octane drama mm, ever since mm. you and I started recording this just after Harry and Meghan got married. And even, you know, when I was recording this before with Victoria Murphy, it was all, you know, wedding build up. Here's a big wedding. Then there's big tours with the young glamorous people. And that's there's only half as many of those now. And it's there's not that many people to go do big, exciting things. And, also, you know, William and Kate, their kids are in school now, so they've got. They have got family responsibilities, which they need to be thinking about, as well as, you know, there's duty to the country. But they, you know, they take their parenting responsibilities hugely seriously, as, you know, as I'm sure all parents do. Like, well, they have about 20 weeks off a year. I saw <laughs> someone had sorted it up. I mean, it's a, they're certainly taking the, their parental responsibilities very seriously. And, and as laudable as that is, I think they've got an awful lot resting on their shoulders. Because like you're talking about the glitz and the glamour when we were watching Harry and Meghan flitting around the country, going to Australia, South Africa... I mean, that was just, it was like Hollywood glamour, wasn't it? And then you had the Waleses as well. There's a lot resting on their shoulders because as hardworking as um, Charles and Camilla are, I mean, two two people who are way past pensionable age, seven, they're, they're going to be 75, both of them. Um, they, they, you haven't got the sort of the glamour aspect of it. Um I mean, I mean saying, saying that, I'm going to qualify that by saying when we were in Germany, there was crowds of thousands. Um, but, but, but again, they they're not going to want to be doing like loads and loads of work. So I think that there is a, there's more and more weighing on the Wales's shoulders by by every week that passes. But I think I think this 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 obviously the transitional year has come to an end as far as tomorrow's anniversary stops. The year has finished. What are we going to see in the next few months? I mean, people in the palace will say there's going to be an awful lot happening over the next uh, four months or at the end of the year. And then we'll wait and see what happens next year. It's going to be a lot more of the same. I mean, 
It was interesting. Let me see if I can pull this up. Someone described it to me as the five C's yesterday. And now I've said that, I won't be able to find it. But it was like continuity, community. What other C's can you think Communication? of? Communication? a bit of that. It was some, yeah, Commonwealth was one. Commonwealth, communication, maybe, yeah, community and charities. And maybe one more. But yeah, interesting that that's pretty much what Charles was doing anyway. I mean, we knew he was the new head of the Commonwealth. He'd been passed this over from his mother, voted in by the Commonwealth nations. But again, you then have William saying recently that he didn't expect to be the next head of the Commonwealth. I don't think he will be as much as he doesn't think he will be. So there is there is a lot of the continuity aspect. Um, climate was the other one. And so, again, we, we knew Charles was doing all of this anyway. So... It's not you're not reinventing the wheel so much, um, but I suppose trying to keep the the train on the tracks because it's been a pretty scandalous couple of years, isn't it? With all the the, the issues for Andrew um, and Harry and Meghan, you know, shouting from across the pond. But in terms of and that's not going to go away. Were, I mean, hmm? that's not going to go away either. We saw you know Prince Andrew traveling to church with the Waleses the other weekend and then we've got well, Harry and Meghan still out you know having a fun time and Harry in his Heart of Invictus show and he, he, you know he's talking about his experience um, at war and coming back and not really having the support to deal with it I think I mean people have taken that as a bit of a swipe at the family I think that's possibly a bit unfair because I'm not sure anything can necessarily give you the support that you need when you come back from some of that stuff and you talked previously about getting help I don't know I mean listen I, I think he was just responding to a question we've heard it before it wasn't necessarily another dig I think you know Harry comes in for a lot of stick a lot of the time but he's when he was being asked what was it like we know he's from a completely dysfunctional family and that the, the love and care and affection and the help and necessarily possibly wasn't there as much as he did want him. I mean, I know people were picking out and saying that Harry had spoken about the the fact that his brother had written a letter to him and he was with him. Uh, he was there for him when he, when, he, when he returned. That can be one thing while still feeling that you didn't get enough support. Um, just talking about Andrew in the car with the Waleses. I mean, I, I think that was a... I couldn't believe it when I saw that picture. But I think that that's one that's one of the sort of losses, stroke weaknesses of the king that he is letting it be known that Andrew is still part of the family. I mean, people will argue, well, he is part of his family, and his brother and his his brothers said to him that he didn't have anything to do with the um, allegations that he was accused of. He's always vehemently denied being uh, responsible for them. Apart often paying £12 million to someone who had accused him of sexual assault. But it's interesting the sort of fact that he's still um, got to put his arm around his brother and yet be the monarch of this dysfunctional institution that has had an awful lot of problems over the last couple of years. But it's, um, yeah, I don't think those, those problems aren't going to go away anytime soon, are they? The Andrew problem, the fact that his relationship with his son has disintegrated, possibly beyond repair, Lots of people in the palace will tell you that the king loves both his sons equally, and I don't see how it can be um, how it can be repaired anytime soon. And quite telling that Harry is actually in the UK as we speak now. 
because he's going to the Wellchild Awards this afternoon, pretty much literally now as we're recording, um, but hasn't made any time to go up to Scotland to see his dad or see his brother who is um, in Windsor now and no doubt will be in Wales tomorrow before Harry jets off to the Invictus Games in Dusseldorf. And that's quite telling that those relations are still pretty strained. Um, what did you make of the Invictus show? I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, you know, it's it sort of it left you with a heavy heart, really. It was really well produced. Um, slick, slick score with it. I thought that if that had been what he did straight after leaving the royal family, people would have been like, bloody hell, what a great guy. Rather than being filled with all this, you know, hatred and drama and vitriol and spewing bile in his book and what have you. I mean, I would I would presume. I mean, I'm told that they, he's 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 pretty happy about how everything went, whether it's Netflix, Oprah, his book. But is it going to get him what he wants? Doesn't look like it, does it? If he's not even seeing his dad or his brother, maybe there's an awful lot that still needs to happen in order for those relations to cool. But just pretty sad, really. And yeah. I thought that if he had come out and done that project everybody would be saying what a great guy and this is exactly what he why he's left the royal family in order to do these things with this platform and um yeah it's i just thought pretty pretty yeah i think so i mean there's so many missed opportunities isn't there Mm. um so many i did enjoy seeing him dancing at the beyonce concert that was great um but and it'll be he and megan will be over in dusseldorf for the invictus games coming up i mean Maybe maybe William should just go get a ticket for Invictus and go surprise him and go make friends again. Oh, that's there's a fairy tale. Well, that would that's clear the depth on the front pages, wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> that would be. I don't think that's going to happen no. because, um, yeah, as again, it, it would have been a a time. Maybe we have a bit of romantic thoughts on these things because you know, if your granny died a year ago, are the all the family going to get together? Maybe, maybe depends what sort of family you got, haven't it? But sometimes it, you know, people just want to um, want to just remember quietly, like the king is doing tomorrow. I mean, he's going to be staying at Balmoral, and William will be, I suppose, leading tributes from uh, from Wales, which is quite interesting going to St David's Cathedral because the Queen had been there on a, a number of times. There's a, a lovely picture I found; I think it was from seventies of her there. Have you ever been to St David's? Uh, no. On the Pembrokeshire coast, it is the UK's smallest city and it is absolutely beautiful, Pembrokeshire in Wales. And um, I think I think that will be a nice moment of reflection and remembrance tomorrow. Um, you know, and we'll see we'll see if we get anything from the king. Um, William's had a slightly unexpected day today. So as part of his Homewards project, he's gone down to Bournemouth to see the work of the Pratt Foundation um, on homelessness. And Gaza... English football legend of Italia 90, who famously did crying in the semi-final after he booked and wasn't going to be able to get into the final. And then um, brilliant player, but somewhat sort of, you know, troubled off the pitch, really. But he was there in, in Pret and gave William a kiss. <laughs> this guy yeah. had, they had a bit of a chat and it was it was quite sweet. It was, it was a bit, you know, Gaza, this sort of super vibrant footballer looking quite, you know, um, I guess needy in some ways, chatting. William spent quite a lot of time with him. It was all, it was all quite sweet. Um, we know William likes his football. 
I don't think either of us were very impressed that he didn't go watch the Lionesses in Australia and support them. Mm. And no, I wasn't. I don't, I don't think he can ever just rock up and watch the England men in a World Cup final, should we ever be lucky enough to get there again? Because he didn't go for the women. So he's made himself a rod for his own back that if he does at some stage I mean, go support the men. like I don't want to sound like a broken record on this, but I can't believe for the life of me if the England men got to a World Cup final, even if it was on the moon, he would be there. The fact that he could, he didn't want to disrupt his holiday. And again, very laudable, like having time with your children. And it's not like they were going back to school the next day. I mean, day. they like the football. They could all have gone. They were on holiday. Of course, and he would have been able to you know, go five, it's talking about time and what have you. It's still his job. And, and Queen of Spain what? went. And, you know, he's got a link with Australia as well. He could have gone out for the semi-final and, you know, fine. It's slightly tricky because you need to support England, but probably also need to support Australia a bit or whatever. But by the time it's against Spain in the final, you can be all in for England. That's totally fine. But, um, yeah, it would have been just a, a good, fun thing. And we even think they could have planned ahead and done a tour and taken it in and get out to Australia and done that. Missed opportunity. But it could have got you well, out massively. Australia I mean, as well, it, Russell. That would have helped, wouldn't it? Well, that would have been lovely. I mean, very, very nice. I would have definitely been first in the queue to uh, to, to go and see our Australian cousins. But the fact that they're going to the the Rugby World Cup, which is starting this weekend in France, um, some may say, you know, it's a, it's a small ferry ride over or a, you get a helicopter over the channel? Don't know, maybe. Or a train. Train, whatever. It's not Australia, granted, yeah, but loads of ways to get there. Easy. They could have definitely, he could have definitely gone. I don't buy the fact that it was um, a bit of a political hot potato because he is the future king of the of the realm. The fact that the, the king hasn't been there yet. Excuses, excuses. He's the president of the FA. He should have got on the plane. He should have supported the girls, and possibly could have taken Charlotte or the boys as well. I mean, I I, mean, I, been, I was absolutely obsessed with the with the World Cup. It was brilliant. And telling my daughter all about the Lionesses and and the you know, fact that we had, we had a party for the final and everything. And I think they just had smooth, massively. There was an awful lot of um, for the girls and they did remarkably well. And you know, oh. better luck next time, I suppose. Russell's signal just went a bit bubbly there. We're doing it on Zoom, not in the pub. So that's the uh, that's why this, the noise is slightly funny, but hopefully it will all be all right for you people. Um, what else have I enjoyed this summer? Charles in his kilt is new King Charles III tartan, looking very smart at the Braemar gathering with his knees out. And Princess Anne um, and Camilla looked like they were having a good time. Didn't say actually, I think one of the big wins the Prowlis must be happy with about how you know Camilla has been accepted as queen without a murmur that is just she is just there alongside Charles and that is the way it is it's been um very very smooth um and the other thing that I've enjoyed over the summer is the unseen coronation pictures that they've used to say happy birthday to William and to Anne and actually sort of the throwback picture to when Charles and Anne were, were tiny and that brother sister look and relationship in both of those pictures is really is really very sweet, so that's quite nice. So I wonder whether we'll get more unseen coronation pictures to mark the various other birthdays as we come. No school pictures this year from the Waleses because no no children starting school or new schools or or whatever. So they're not they don't do it routinely each year. Um, so I think I don't know. We're waiting to see. We're waiting to see what happens next. I guess Russell. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think there'll be a lot of activity over the next few months. Um, the the France trip will be interesting to see. 
this busy period, the, the Rugby World Cup, the visit from the Pope, um, and this state visit as well. The Kenya trip in the autumn will be a really big moment, I suppose, going to a Commonwealth country. The fact that it's uh, it obviously has huge royal links with where the the Queen found um, out that she was going to be queen after the death of her father. So I think that that's going to be a really sort of um, emotional moment. And you talk about the, the big, the big royal moments that will certainly be one to, to lead us into the Christmas. And then the first, um, well, it won't be the first, it'll be the second King's speech, won't it? Because we had one when he was standing in the choir at uh, Westminster Abbey, standing up, not sat behind the desk. Bonus point for telling me how many times the, the queen stood up making a speech, Christmas speech. Oh, twice. I think it's four. Mm. Anyway, if you know, let us know on the oh, pod. We need, to, the we need to find we Instagram. Pod Save the King pub quiz for listeners, but actually in, in pretend real life, virtual real life, it would need to be. But anyway, there's something for us to maybe think about plotting for an exciting new project for this year. Um, listeners, really glad to be back with you. Russell, really glad to be back with you. Look forward to catching up next week on... How, how the first week back of school has gone and um, and looking ahead as well to see. I mean, we've learned, I think, to expect the unexpected, really, you and me. So we will look forward mm. to seeing what comes. Um, we'll be back on Instagram at Podsave. Russell's busy on Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days. And uh, until next time. Podsave the King!